This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. We have made it to another Friday here on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for joining us for a few minutes this morning as we uh, talk about uh, all the things going on around the world of sports. Dan Zampano coming up at 9.30 this morning, our NFL correspondent, to talk uh, about uh, last week's games, the longest week in the history of the NFL. Uh, So we'll talk to him about that. We'll take a look at... uh, some of the playoff races, uh, who he thinks has the inside track. I'm very bullish right now on the Tennessee Titans, so we'll see what he thinks about that. Um, you know, I, I still am not convinced. Everybody st- seems to be on board with the Steelers going uh, undefeated. They do have a, a – I don't want to say an easy schedule, but they have a schedule where it's conceivable. So we shall see uh, what Dan thinks about that. We'll talk to him coming up at 9.30. Um, let's see, uh, let's get to, well, the coronavirus update as we have every day, how, cause it seems every day it is affecting, uh, games that, uh, w- were supposed to be played, uh, aren't going to be played. Uh, Joe Biden came out yesterday, said when he is inaugurated, he is going to ask the country to uh, wear a mask for a hundred days. You know, uh, that's something if, uh, if Donald Trump had done in the beginning and had gotten on board, you know, maybe we could have gotten the numbers even lower who knows you know here's the deal joe biden can ask all he wants and i and and i hope americans do it but those people that voted for donald trump and that are on that side of the aisle are likely to scoff at that but we'll see uh we'll see and by the way scumbags are everywhere aren't they how about this i mean we're in the middle of a pandemic and here in the state of connecticut we have uh some company from california at least that's where they think they're from mailing out Official-looking letters to people. Uh, this particular one came from the Southington Administrative Offices, and it contains information about COVID-19 benefits, and it says you should be opened immediately. And, of course, when they do, uh, it uh, uh, it says uh, it's got a big headline that says COVID relief benefits and time-sensitive document, and it, it, it's an offer for residents to apply for a loan with something called Pinnacle Lending. Uh, if you call it up, uh, which the police did, by the way, a representative asks you for personal information, uh, date of birth, address, social security number. I mean, you know, stuff that you shouldn't be giving to people you don't know anyway. Uh, they, they, the police said or the, they've turned it over to the post office. The post office says it appears to have been mailed from California, so it's been turned over to postal inspectors. But it's unbelievable how people, even in the middle of something like this, how you try to scam and take advantage of people's awful. Uh, well, the biggest news for the coronavirus shuffle of sports is in college football. Uh, we were going to have a very interesting matchup it was supposed to happen on Saturday between Coastal Carolina and Liberty. Now, these are two teams that are both ranked in the top 25 that are ranked higher probably than they've ever been. Coastal Carolina is 14th, Liberty 25th. Um, Coastal Carolina still has an outside chance if everything shakes right to maybe get into one of the uh, the top bowl games. So it was going to be an interesting game. Well, it turns out that uh, the coronavirus has hit Liberty. They have had to pull out of the game. And so Coastal Carolina was kind of stuck out on an island. Well, here comes ESPN to the rescue. Um <laughs> uh, ESPN, who owns the rights um, to the Sunbelt Conference as well as to BYU, who is an independent team, they contacted BYU and said, hey, Liberty had to pull out. Would you be interested? 45 minutes later, BYU said, yep, we'll do it. So BYU is going to play Coastal Carolina, two teams that are both 9-0. and So... Uh, 
you know, they now they pushed the kickoff back to five thirty. It was supposed, I think, it was originally supposed to be a one o'clock start on Saturday, but now BYU and Coastal Carolina at nine and zero. It's going to be an interesting game, and there aren't a lot of great games this weekend, to be honest with you. You know, if you look at the college football schedule, Alabama's playing LSU, and LSU has gone from the uh, the the top of the mountain to being uh, a not very good football team. Uh, there just aren't a lot of sexy games this weekend, so this is going to be a fascinating one, and I, I'm going to watch it. Uh, I, it'll be very, very interesting to see. Now, look, if for Coastal Carolina to get in, they really need uh, pretty close to a miracle. Uh, BYU. They probably have a better chance um, in order for them to do well. I mean, Zach Wilson, kids, the quarterback for BYU, is really, really good. Uh, if they can make it into the Fiesta or the Cotton Bowl, BYU makes $4 million bucks. Um, so what it means for that, well, that's one of the reasons why they were anxious to play this game. It was a simple case of, hey, we need to pad our resume as much as we can for the college football committee football bowl committee and a win even look say what you want about coastal carolina whether they should be 14th or not in this mess of a college football season we've we're seeing a lot of strange teams in the top 25 whether you think they belong there or not they're still ranked 14th so that would be a good win for byu it would be a a help to their uh strength of schedule I mean, look, they're, they're Coastal Carolina. At the end of the day, like I said, you play who you play, they're 9-0. and uh, So it's a big game for uh, BYU. And, and for, look, for Coastal Carolina, too. As I said, they need uh, pretty much a miracle. Uh, you know, they have to, if they get into the top 10, they could perhaps get an at-large bid um, as the highest-ranked opponent outside of the uh, the Power 5 leagues. Um but they're going to need some help. They'd have to get like I think Cincinnati would have to lose um, out of the uh, out of the American Conference. But anyway, so we'll see. Fascinating game, um, and uh, good on BYU for being willing to pivot. And same for Coastal Carolina to pivot and ma- and make something happen at least on Saturday. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, the college football uh, committee has announced that there will be no fans at the Rose Bowl for the semifinal of the uh, college football playoffs. Um, they had asked for special permission to allow a limited number of spectators at the game, and Los Angeles County said, nope, not going to happen. Uh, L.A. County right now is under a stay-at-home order. My daughter lives in L.A. County, and she's like, it's ridiculous. We can't even, we're not even supposed to go for a walk. I could get fined for going for a walk. Uh, they're telling people not to walk their dogs. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so no fans at the Rose Bowl um, and Welcome to 2020. A um, couple other things. Uh, Louisville has had to cancel its men's basketball game that was scheduled for tonight against UNC Greensboro uh, because of a, fi- a positive test uh, in the program. Uh, Syracuse uh, has had a member test positive, uh, so a couple of their players were not available against Niagara last night. Uh, the American Conference game this weekend, football game between Houston and SMU, is not going to be played. Um, because SMU has had uh, a positive ca- a test and a number of football players were identified as close contacts, so they weren't going to have enough scholarship players. Uh, so that game has been uh, uh, has been postponed as well. And uh, Texas Tech will be without their football coach this weekend. He has tested positive for the coronavirus, so he is going to miss uh, this Saturday's game against Kansas. So the shuffling continues. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, UConn basketball last night, great win. I thought they were going to be in trouble last night. This USC team was huge. Uh, but Danny Hurley and the men's basketball team played very well last night. James Booknight, uh, 18.7 rebounds, and it is the quietest, quietest 18 points and seven rebounds you've ever seen. This game was interesting in that UConn trailed early. They built a 13-point lead, and then the last – Eight or nine minutes of this game, offensively for UConn was putrid. UConn, get this, UConn scored three points in the last eight and a half minutes of the game and still won. Unbelievable. Uh, Why? Because they out-rebounded USC. USC was cold as well, but uh, USC had out-rebounded its first three opponents 
by 50 rebounds. So an average of about 17 rebounds a game. They had out-rebounded their opponents. UConn out-rebounded USC last night by 11, 42-31. to 31. And this is a team that had 7-foot uh, Evan Mobley. Uh, they had a 6'10 guy and a 6'9 guy on the front court, and UConn out-rebounded them. A uh, lot of credit goes to uh, UConn had 11 offensive rebounds. Josh Carlton, great game off the bench for UConn last night. They gave the freshman Sonogo the big body the start last night, thinking that uh, they were going to need the size, and, and he is built like a, a truck, uh, but got in early foul trouble. He only played 10 minutes. He picked up three quick fouls, and uh, he was gone. But Josh Carlton came off the bench last night, nine points and 11 rebounds, and a big reason why the UConn men won that game last night. Um, Booknight didn't shoot especially well, but uh, made a couple of big baskets uh, when it counted, including a three-point play uh, with about four minutes to go that put UConn up 61-55, and then they just had to hang on for dear life. You know, And the only thing that saved them probably was that USC was as cold um, as the Huskies were. But a good win for UConn. Their next game is also going to be interesting. They play NC State on Saturday, uh, another undefeated team. Uh, that was the first loss for USC last night, so now they've got NC State coming up on Saturday. Um, NC State doesn't have the size that USC does, but again, you know, coming out of the ACC, very good conference. This UConn team, uh, look, they pick up a win against NC State, and after beating USC, UConn will be ranked in the top 25 next week. And uh, it's all about the defense. They played very, very good defense last night. So uh, looking forward to Saturday's game as well. Uh, the UConn women, uh, of course, have had to sit on ice for two weeks after some coronavirus problems. They uh, had non-conference games wiped out against Quinnipiac, Maine, Mississippi State, and Louisville. Well, they have picked up a game against UMass Lowell. So they will start the season uh, against UMass Lowell on December the 12th. And uh, then they start uh, Big East play three days after. So uh, they're still looking, I think, to pick up uh, a couple of non-conference games because they're a little bit short. Uh, UMass Lowell is a team that went 16-15 and 15 last year, uh, lost in the America East Tournament semifinals to Maine. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Tom Garrick, who is the head coach at UMass Lowell, uh, is married to former UConn assistant coach Shea Ralph. So uh, they will play uh, coming up on December the 12th. Um, Dan Zampano coming up here in a few minutes. Got some baseball news. Remember yesterday I was talking about the fact that the Minnesota Twins had let Eddie Rosario go, which was a surprise. A guy who had been the starting left fielder for six years for Minnesota. A guy who is a great defender. Um, a, a, a solid bat. And uh, I said, geez, you know, he would be a good pickup for the Red Sox. It looks like Jackie Bradley Jr. is headed elsewhere. Don't know what you're going to get out of Andrew Benintendi. Um, and now word comes down that the Red Sox have indeed been in touch with Eddie Rosario's camp. Rosario has some history with Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager. Uh, he played for Alex Cora when he was the manager of Team Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. So it does seem that the Red Sox do have some interest in Rosario. I think that would be a solid move for Boston. You don't want to put... JD Martin, uh, you know JD Martinez out in the outfield any more than you have to. I mean that should be a, a last resort scenario. So it might be a case if since Rosario's a left fielder has been his entire career, maybe you put Rosario in left. Maybe you move Andrew Benintendi to center. He's shown the ability to play there, uh, and you keep Alex Verdugo in right field. I'll take that. You know the Red Sox obviously still putting a lot of their season on Andrew Benintendi. They need him to bounce back. There's no question about it. Uh, and if he doesn't, uh, the Red Sox are going to have to look elsewhere. I still would love to see the Red Sox side George Springer, but it looks like the Red Sox are not willing to put out the money that it would take to get Springer uh, because, frankly, they need pitching. The other guy the Red Sox have been linked to a lot lately is they have been in touch with Corey Kluber's camp about possibly bringing Kluber to Boston. Uh, now, look, former Cy Young Award winner, just had some issues, uh, had surgery. He is going to start throwing bullpens later this month. If he bounces back and can, you know, look, he's not going to be the Corey Kluber we remember from, you know, a few years ago, but if he can bounce back at all and give them some decent innings and, and you know, become a, a solid 
uh, member of that rotation, maybe their number three guy behind Sale when he comes back, and uh, Eddie Rodriguez. And, you know, I like that idea a lot. So uh, a couple of good rumors coming out of Boston. We'll see where they uh, turn out. Red Sox also made a – this is a quiet move. This is one of these where, you know, you don't think much about it now. But the Red Sox made a deal yesterday with the Rockies. They got a kid by the name of Christian Koss from Colorado. They got him for a minor league left-handed pitcher, Yohan Ibar. Uh, Koss is only 22 years old. Now, he was taken in the 12th round of the 2019 draft. This kid is fascinating to me. Um, he was the Pioneer League Player of the Month uh, a couple of times. Uh, and in 2019, in Grand Junction, Koss hit 332. 11 homers, 51 runs batted in. He stole 10 bases. Uh, and he could play anywhere on the infield. He started 18 games at third, 18 at second, 13 at short. And the Red Sox need a second baseman long term, right? No Dustin Pedroia. That's, that ship has sailed. So now the Red Sox are going to have to find a long-term solution at second base. This kid appears to have some really good power. And this could be a guy that the Red Sox, that may be exactly what they're looking for, is a guy that, uh, that's got some pop that can play second base and, you know, can be a utility guy, but they need a second baseman. This kid's only 22 years old. So uh, remember that name, Christian Koss, and I'm going to follow him a lot this year. Um, speaking of Fenway Park, this is cool. The Boston Bruins are considering moving a number of games to Fenway Park this year. They are in, they have been talking to the Red Sox for the last couple of weeks about the possibility of playing multiple games outdoors at Fenway Park. Uh, now, the state and the city would have to sign off on this, but when you think about it, look, this, the the stadium's empty, right? They don't, you know, they, they could play there for January, February, and March, you know, and clear it out in early March so they can get the field ready for the Red Sox when they come back north uh, from Florida. But this would give the Bruins a chance to maybe have more fans because it's an outdoor venue. You still could space them farther apart. So you don't have to worry about as much about the, the coronavirus because you're outside. Um, I like it. I like it. Look, Fenway Park, is they, the Bruins have played there before. Fenway has hosted high school and college games there as well. Um, there are other NHL teams looking to do the same thing, by the way. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking at that as are uh, uh, Nashville. Uh, you know, now Los Angeles Kings are looking to play outdoors. I mean, got to be a little bit more difficult than LA. I would think uh, Anaheim as well. Again, I would think it's more difficult, but Pittsburgh and, and Nashville and uh, why not? You know, if you can do it outside, you know, and what they what they what they would do is this, it's going to be weather dependent. Obviously you're not going to play outside in a rainstorm or in, you know, sleet or snow, but it could be one of those things where if a game is scheduled for TD Garden or for Fenway Park and the weather is bad, they could move it to TD Garden without any problem. So I like it. It's it's fascinating idea, and uh, I think it's one. Uh, I think it's one worth doing. I absolutely do. Uh, a couple other notes before we get to uh, Dan Zampano uh, in women's basketball last night. Big upset. Number one South Carolina loses for the first time in over a year. They had won twenty nine straight games. Uh, they fall to number eight, North Carolina State, last night, 54-46. to 46. Uh, A go-ahead three-pointer by Reina Perez with three minutes left uh, allowed uh, North Carolina to pull away and win this game by eight. They held South Carolina last night to just 28% shooting from the floor. 28%. So uh, good for them. Uh, so that's the first loss for South Carolina in a year. NC State now 3-0. and it's the first time, by the way, they have beaten a number one team since they knocked off Duke in the ACC tournament all the way back in 2007. Uh, so congratulations to NC State and head coach, head coach Wes Moore. Big win for them last night. Uh, an NBA note before we go to a break and uh, get ready for Mr. Zampano. Uh, Anthony Davis signed a five-year contract yesterday with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, five years. $190 million. And that's on the heels after LeBron James had agreed to a two-year $85 million contract extension. Uh, so now Davis and uh, 
and King James will be together at least through 2023. That's when uh, LeBron's contract runs out. But Anthony Davis's contract runs all the way through the 2024-25 season. So uh, anybody that was hoping uh, that the Lakers might lose a step this year, yeah, probably not going to happen as uh, Anthony Davis re-ups with the Lakers. It's 27 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us to talk NFL football. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 29 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. And as we are every Friday, we are thrilled to be joined by Dan Zampano. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Gene, I'm doing well. Uh, I think that this past week was absolutely very, very weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, who can who can who can complain about more football every day? I mean, you just can't complain about stuff like that. So we're being grateful. All right. Well, let's 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 get to a couple of things before we talk about the playoffs and last week's games. I want to bring up the situation with the Steelers and the Ravens game that was postponed a couple of times got, you know, it's bizarre. The Saints and the Bronco game where the NFL forced the Broncos to play with no quarterback. My question to you is this. Is the NFL walking a or playing a very dangerous game here, kind of messing with the integrity of the games by forcing teams to play when they have – uh, look, making the Broncos play with no quarterback was ludicrous. Making the, the the Ravens having to play that game without their 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 backfield, their offensive backfield. I mean, they may not have won the game anyway, but isn't it kind of making a mockery of the schedule when you do that? Um, to me, uh, I actually push back on you a little bit on this. Okay. You know what? Follow the protocols. Like, if you're the team, we all agreed on it. Like, we, we want football. Like, that's what we're going to have. If you can't follow the protocols, then you know what? That's why we have 16 practice squad players. What they did for the Broncos, uh, I had no problem with. The problem I have is that this league has bent over backwards for the Baltimore Ravens to be able to play football with as many people as they can. When it was the Ravens' fault, that they were put in this situation in the first place. I mean, if you're the Steelers, how can you sit there and say, you're going to take away our bye week, you're going to push our game back three days because the other team was out and admitted to breaking protocols, and then the following week, you're not only going to give us less time to prepare for the next game, you're going to give that team more time to prepare for the next week and put the game on Tuesday. I mean, you might as well just roll out an entire charcuterie board before they get on the field and give them all massages. I mean, it's really (laughs) sickening. Like what, what they did to the, what they did to Pittsburgh and this league bending over backwards. Like I said, for the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, every single time the Ravens have had an issue, the league is like, sure, whatever, you know, but it's the Broncos. Oh, it's the Broncos. Yeah. doesn't matter. You know, they're not in prime time. Fine. So let's be consistent with what we're doing here. Yeah, I mean, I had no problem with – I mean, I had a problem with the Broncos in that – I mean, playing a game without a quarterback. I mean, watching that was just painful. Um, But – It was horrible, yeah. But, but, you know, my concern here is that the NFL seems so bent on finishing this season on time and not adding that extra week. I don't understand – I mean, look, the the – the Steelers lost their bye week. Wouldn't it have been – I'm sure the Steelers would not have minded at the end of the day getting this week off as a bye week and then extending the season a week just to you know give their guys a chance to, to heal a little bit and get that bye week back. That's my only concern here is that the NFL seems to be pushing to get this season done in the allotted the normal allotted time. Well, I mean, if the Steelers get the number one seed, which they're very likely to do, they'll get a bye week. I mean, well, yeah. It, and then if you and then if you push that back, then the Steelers don't get any bye week. So it's, you know, I mean, it's either here nor there. I mean, I I think that what we're seeing now is just an inconsistency of the protocols being put in. If you get if you have teams breaking protocol, we've already talked about this at the beginning of the year. The NFL is not going to kowtow to strategical problems as you have an outbreak like the Ravens had we'll push you back but how many days in a row 
how you have to you have to be consistent with this. I have no problem with them pushing them back. What I have a problem with is the following week pushing them back. I mean, it's just not fair specifically for the for the Ravens to get now an extra day to prepare for the Cowboys, and now the Steelers have to play a regular schedule. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. They did push the Steelers back to Monday, but again, you yanked around the Steelers for three days because the Ravens. Where are the practice squad players? Where are the practice squad players? Put those guys on the field. I don't care about you know integrity, this integrity, that. We're in a pandemic. Let's get the games in and let's do what we have to do because guess what? We're lucky to have the games anyway. So to me, it was ridiculous what they did with the Baltimore Ravens this week. Are you going to feel the same way if we get into January and the playoffs are here and mm. now – the Tampa Bay Bucks don't have Tom Brady to play quarterback in the playoffs because he has either tested positive or been around somebody who has. Are you going to feel differently about that? Uh, I won't, but the league will because guess well, what? This is a superstar, you know. Well, like well, I mean, well that's the, I, that's yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, if you're go- but if you're going to do it in the regular season, don't you have to do the same thing in the playoffs? Yes, and they should be criticized if they don't. And the only reason I feel like they did it this week is because it was the Ravens and the Steelers, and they wanted it in prime time, and they put it at three forty in the afternoon. Yeah, that's, like, that's not prime time. Five o'clock or six o'clock, <laughs> like a normal person. I mean, I'm sitting there at work just watching this game and 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 being like, why are we watching this at four o'clock in the no. afternoon? I mean, put it on at six o'clock not, like a normal human being and let people get home. Like, yeah. come on. Well, but that wasn't their decision. That was NBC. NBC, who had the rights to the game, said, "Well, we want to put the Christmas tree lighting on." So it was NBC. Oh, that, okay. It was NBC that forced the time change, not the NFL. That's right. As, as That's it, right. That's but you know right. what? Though, I, as it turns out, though, it's probably good it was in the afternoon because that was an ugly game. I mean, but if you're NBC, you want to you want to put a tree on TV or you want to put football on? TV? <laughs> you know what? Dude, I, Which one gets better ratings? Uh, well, I don't know. This year, I think Christmas is probably going to trump the NFL. Everybody, everybody's got their trees up already, and I mean, it's it's unbelievable. All right, let, well, let's move on from that. Let's go to the miracle from last week, and that was the Patriots uh, playing awful and still coming up with a win over the Arizona Cardinals. I I would have bet my house that wasn't going to happen, and they did. They didn't deserve to win that game, let's be honest. U-G-L-E-E, ugly. <laughs> I mean, think about this one. Think about this, Gene. The Patriots had less first downs. Yep. They had less yards. They got outrushed. They got outrushed in yards per attempt. They had more turnovers. They had less time of possession. <laughs> and they still won, they won the game. Yes. I mean, in- incredible. Yep. I mean, incredible how that worked out. I mean... The defense played great. I'm not going to say that they didn't because they established a really good strategy on, on how to play Kyler Murray. They kept him in the pocket. They made him throw from the pocket. And because he's a shorter quarterback, they're like, arms up, baby, throw it over us. And they did a great job. Adam Butler, Lawrence Guy, Chase Winovich, Josh Uche, they all had really good games. Yep. And then um, Stephon Gilmore actually showed up this week. And as, as they had a couple of catches on the sidelines for DeAndre Hopkins, but I think Hopkins only had like three catches for 35 yards. Right. I mean, that was really, that was a really good job by, by the defense. Offensively, blech. I mean, just awful. I mean, anybody that thinks, and God bless him, you know, Cam Newton all year, I, look, he's been a good teammate. It's clear that he's passionate for the game, clear that he's passionate and he wants to win. Anybody that thinks that he's a long-term solution, he needs to have their brain examined. Yeah. I mean, it's insane to look at this guy and say the guy has four passing touchdowns. Four, <laughs> like, yeah. I, mean, it, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, Tom Brady's got like twenty-nine. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's insane. So to me, we know what this offense is. It's it's going to be running the football, gimmick gadget. I would have loved to see Julian Edelman come back this week, but they played a great job, especially in situational football, like at the goal line at the end of the half, huge stop there. Yep. Uh, at the end of the game, Cam getting out of bounds, taking that late hit. Um, they really played. I think they played hard enough to deserve to win, 
but I don't think they probably should have won with the, with the performance that they put out, if that makes any sense at all. So, you know what? A win is a win is a win in the NFL. Well, you know, and I was one of the things I was thinking about, you know, the Patriots have had this, this history over, well, your entire lifetime of great kickers, Adam Venateri and Steven Guskowski, and now all of a sudden Nick Folk is finding a way to carve out his own little piece of uh, Patriot history. He has been uh, – look, he's got to be kicking better than anybody could have hoped for this Patriot team. Would you say that Nick Folk is thrusting himself into Patriots – Folklore. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, but you know what? You know, uh, no. you, you joke, but you know what? I'll tell you what. Folk and, and the, the kicking game, the punting and the place kicking have been the two highlights for this Patriot team oh this year. Oh, my God. That's crazy. How crazy is it? Yeah. How crazy is it that Jake ba- Jake Bailey's probably the best player on the team? Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. He's like he, that that guy. What he did on Sunday, pop, popping that down to the one yard line was oh, that was music. Yep. Uh, so yeah, no, it's weird. The special teams. Listen, the special teams and the coaching are what you're going to get this team to win. Right. Uh, that's basically what's going to happen the rest of the year. Um, they're they're. Competition, well, I guess competition for the Patriots in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. i got to tell you something. We talked about how the Patriots, I don't know how they deserved to win last week's game. You could almost say the same thing about the Bills. They did everything in their power to try to give that game to the Chargers. Fortunately for the Bills, the Charger coaching staff is so inept that they couldn't take advantage of it. But Buffalo tried really hard to lose that game last week. Uh, I, I don't know where anybody has been. I've been saying it all year. I think yeah. the Bills are the most overrated team in football. I mean, the, there's there's this whole Josh Allen just like love fest that goes on in the media, and it's disgusting. And, you know, to me, Josh Allen is a good quarterback. He's not God reincarnated like people put him out to be. I mean, it's <laughs> like insane. Um, the Bills don't defend the run well. I mean, they, they don't on defense. They're not the same defense that they were last year. They've dealt with too many injuries. They've had injuries on the offensive line. Um, I don't think their coach has done as good of a job as he did last year, you know, just situationally and all this, all this different stuff. So, you know, yeah, they got Stephon Diggs. That's awesome. Great. He's having a great year. And, and he's made their offense viable to be able to throw the ball down the field. But you can't take a step back in every other situation, in every other spot. You right. know what I mean? Like, and they have done that. Now, granted, are they going to win the division? Probably, but. You know, the Patriots are having a down year. Um, Miami is having a great year for them, but, you know, where are they with their quarterback situation? So, again, we're kind of by default. Like, how many years in a row have we said the AFC East is, like, the worst division in football um, and it's the Patriots and everybody else? Well, this year it's kind of just by default Buffalo because they just have the most talented roster. Um, But when they get to the playoffs – I'm not looking for them to win a game. Right. I mean, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not really looking. I think they could easily get upset to, in the first round, easily. You know, and you look at the team that they played last week, that Charger team has a lot of talent. The fact that uh, Anthony Lynn still has his job as the head coach there is insane. amazing. It's insane. Oh. The the clock management and the some of the decisions made by the coaching staff last week for the Chargers, I mean, that's part of the reason why the Chargers didn't have a chance to win this game is because they just – just made some boneheaded decisions in this game. And I'm sure if you're Bill Belichick, you're counting on that for this week too. It's not just last week though. It's no, I know. Every well, yeah, right, week. Right. You, they're like entertaining. They're like entertaining. It's like, what are they going to do next? Like <laughs> it's incredible what Anthony Lynn, like I don't understand how you can just sit there week after week. If you're Dean Spanos and just be like, Oh yeah. Like, you know what? We'll get it better next week. We'll get it better next week. When is enough enough? I right. say it with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. When is enough enough? That's what these fans have got to ask themselves. Speaking of Jim Harbaugh, before we get back to the NFL, do you, do you really think Michigan's trying to duck Ohio State with uh, shutting things down with the uh, the whole coronavirus God. thing? What a sad, what a sad excuse for for program at this point. <laughs> where I they, mean, where they for, come, not man. only you 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 blew, you you were down the entire game to Rutgers. And then you win in overtime, and you put it out like you won the national championship. <laughs> it's Rutgers. You beat them by 80 points two years ago. And then Penn State, 0-5 Penn State. I mean, they, I, you know what? 
I, I saw that the game got canceled this weekend. I said they were playing football this year. I mean, I didn't even notice. <laughs> it's, in, it's incredible to me. I, I, Ohio State, Ohio State would win that game 75 to nothing. I mean, at, at this point, that's what I really believe. Well, they I, are so bad. It's disgusting. Well, and the thing is, is if you're the Big Ten, you almost have to make sure Michigan's not ducking, not trying to duck that game. You almost have to make them play that game because Ohio State, if they don't get enough games in, aren't going to be eligible for the, uh, for the title game because they're going to be short games if they don't yeah. play that game. That's yeah, and there's nuts. a good chance. And, and if, they don't, if they don't win the Big Ten, there's a good chance. Hey, we're not letting you in the CFP now. I think the committee would would uh, They'd have to. would probably put them in just because they're Ohio State. But I'm to. not that impressed with Ohio State. Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's the fourth best team in the country. To be honest, with you. I don't. Yeah, but do but you, that's a story for do you. Do you think Coastal Carolina's 14th best in the country? I mean, uh, I think I think I think Florida, Texas A&M, BYU, uh, Cincinnati. They all have better. Yeah, I think they, I they all probably have a have an argument. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to uh, to the NFL. Uh, I am look, and if you look at schedules, I mean, if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers' schedule the rest of the way, you would have to think, look, you know, this team has a chance to go undefeated. Their biggest test left is probably going to be that Bills team. I mean, you know, and I guess you could you could say perhaps the Colts, but this mm-hmm. Steelers team has a legitimate chance to run the table. They really do. Yeah, they're like the worst eleven and zero team I've ever seen. Like it's have you? If, if, I mean, it can be such that a thing. was so bad. That, I know, right? I mean, I, their offense was so bad in in the in the red zone on on Wednesday night. I mean, it was hard to watch. Deontay yeah. Johnson dropping like every ball. I mean, Roethlisberger had some bad throws. He had some good throws, but he had some bad throws. They don't really run the football that much. Right. They really, really rely on their defense. And now that they've lost Bud Dupree for the season yep. with the torn ACL, it's going to hurt. That's yeah. it, it's going to make them a, a lot harder of a situation. And and I can remember as a Patriots fan in '07, as we went along that year, the games at the end of the year, the Eagles game, the Ravens game, the Giants game, the playoff games, those got really, really, really hard. And your offense started to get really exposed, and maybe it's a good thing for Pittsburgh because their offense really is not that great. It's good, but right. it's not like a overall amazing. So you know, it's the defense that keeps them in it. It just gets super hard down the stretch. So I would be really surprised if they went sixteen and zero. I have to tell you though, I love Mike Tomlin's in the post game press conference about how come the game was close, and he just said us sucking. I- <laughs> That was was not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the team that I am the most bullish on right now to challenge the Chiefs for the AFC title is Mm -hmm. the Tennessee Titans. I am, you know, the way Derrick Henry is running that football uh, right now, you know, I think they're what? They're like fourth or fifth in the league in scoring. I am, if I think, I think that this. Titans team has a legit the way they handled the Colts last week I think they have a legitimate chance to play Kansas City in the AFC title game well the fact that they didn't have a letdown after the Baltimore win shows you that that's definitely true and you know we remember them last year kind of being that Cinderella team they beat the Patriots they beat the Ravens they really had the Chiefs on the rope and the ropes in the first half of that game I mean and it was all Derrick Henry, and it was Derrick Henry and a pretty good defense. Now that defense has kind of gone away uh, yeah. this year. I mean, they they've they haven't been up to the the standards of which Mike Vrabel has has probably put them forward on. But you know, I I don't disagree with you. I think Tennessee is one of the few teams in that conference that at least has the experience and at least has you know a game plan in order to be able to go forward and, and make a deep run. I do worry about their defense, though. I really do. And, and I hope I hope that they can shore that up and that Rabel um, kind of lights a fire towards the end of the year because they, like I said, they just haven't been snuffed. But, listen, you, you got to get stuff out of Ryan Tannehill. A.J. Brown's been really good. Um, the one concern I do have with Tennessee, too, is special teams. I mean, Goskowski is 
shaky and yeah. they're in yeah, a punting situation. True. Yep. The, the punting situation, they've got like a third, they've been like through three punters. Like that that makes a difference in big games. So yeah, I I mean Tennessee's definitely got a good shot. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to some games this week. Uh, and uh, pretty good week for you last week. You went four and two. You're thirty eight and thirty two on the season, so not too bad. Um, you, you missed the, you missed the uh, Philadelphia game. You called the upset in Seattle. That didn't go so well, or against Seattle, but that didn't go so well. Uh, but they covered. But they covered. <laughs> they, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did do that. All right, let's get to this week's games. Let's start off. Um, Indianapolis took it on the chin last week. They need to bounce back. They're playing a very hot Houston team in Houston this week. Indianapolis still a three and a half point favorite on the road, but this this could be uh, this could be the upset special of the week. Uh, I think it could be, but the problem with this game is that uh, I think um, our buddy Matt Silver uh, he's going to put it on when we do the Sunday card. He said. I think the Texans were taking Brian Cushing steroid uh, juice or something like that because they all got suspended this week. Um, they, they all got suspended. Will Fuller's out for the rest of the year with suspension. Bradley Roby's out. Will Fuller had a huge game on Thanksgiving. I mean, he played great. Right. Um, that's going to really hurt their offense. I mean, no Cobb. No Kenny Stills has gone to no Will Fuller. I mean, you're basically Ryan Brandon Cooks, my least favorite receiver of all time. So, um, Houston, I just can't see their offense operating in this light. I want to pick them, but Indianapolis' defense is too good. Uh, I'll take the Colts. All right. This next game, the New Orleans Saints uh, are on the road at Atlanta. The Saints are a three-point favorite, but my question to you is this. As good as Taysom Hill looked at quarterback that first week, he did not look very good in Denver last week. Now he didn't need to be necessarily, but will what do we expect out of the quarterback position in New Orleans this week? I think you expect what exactly you've seen. You're going to see, uh, you know, probably a slow, methodical start for the Saints. They're going to run the ball a lot, and then they'll open it up uh, more in the second half, like they have been. And that's kind of what Hill has, you know, as the game has gone on, he sees it better. You know what I mean? Okay. We just saw this game two weeks ago. Right. I mean, what indications? Uh, last week was the biggest anomaly game in the world for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, it was such a trap game for the Raiders. Yep. The Raiders uncharacteristically had five turnovers in the game. I mean, the Ra- the Falcons are a walking, breathing, living, flying field goal on offense <laughs> in the red zone. I mean, it is so egregiously bad how bad they are in the red zone. Um, nobody's playing better defense right now than the New Orleans Saints. They've given up one touchdown in the last four games. Right. I'll take the Saints. Okay. Uh, all right. Now I'm, I'm giving you this game and just so I can hear you, uh, tell me what a joke the Cleveland Browns are, but, uh, Cleveland at Tennessee this week, Tennessee is a five and a half point favorite. I've already said how much I love Tennessee. As you said, Cleveland, now you look at Cleveland's record and you're going, what, you know, you're probably like, what are you guys smoking when you look at their record? But as you have said, they don't beat anybody that's any good. If they're going to make a statement about the playoffs, Cleveland has to win this week. The ninth grade bully has been playing a bunch of eighth graders. Right. And he's been, and you know what? Those eighth graders, ninth graders are getting a little bit, uh, a little bit bigger. And they've been challenging the, the ninth grade bully. And you know what? Now the ninth grade bully, guess what he's got this week? He's got a junior looking to stuff him into a locker. <laughs> it ain't going to be so easy this week. O'Doyle rules. Give me the Titans all day long. <laughs> all right. Uh, the Rams uh, at Arizona. Arizona has to bounce back. The Rams, you know, look, if you're the Rams – you don't have a lot of margin for error here, so uh, this is a big game on the road. The Rams are a three-point favorite. Tough game to pick because yeah. those both of these teams are coming off of really, really tough losses. I mean, 49ers, thank you, God. Robbie Gold, thank you very much for that. Um, they beat the Rams last week, and then the Patriots upsetting Arizona. Murray appears to be ready to go. His shoulder was a little banged up last week. Obviously, we found out after the game. Look, I think one of these two teams, whoever wins this game, 
has the inside track at the end to, to challenge Seattle for the division. And, you know, at this point, I, I am so nervous. I love the Rams, but I'm so nervous every week watching golf because yep. I don't know well, what golf, what, which golf I'm going to get. He's a walking, you know? like, he's a walking I, he turnover. Be, I mean, really, I mean, he, like some weeks he's great. I mean, really good. Like yeah. against Tampa, like the system, he really ran it well. Other weeks, it's like it's like he's in a fog, and I, I just it, I don't understand where that comes from. So, I will pick the upset special. Arizona wins this weekend at home. All right, uh, all right. Let's go to uh, let's go to Los Angeles, where the Patriots will be hanging out for a couple of weeks. I guess they're gonna they play the Chargers this week, and then they are gonna stay out there uh, to play the Rams next week. This game is, uh, I believe, it's a pick'em. New England at the Chargers, the the X factor here is the Charger coaching staff. In the history of professional sports, yeah, have you ever seen a bigger coaching mismatch? No, no. I mean, not. I, I I just I have to laugh because Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn. I mean, I have always prescribed it to this. If the Chargers are one are anywhere within a field goal of a difference on the spread, yep. I will take whoever the other team is every <laughs> single time because the Anthony Anthony Lynn is just horrible in end of game situations. And God bless him, Herbert has been had a great year. Um, but you you can't tell me they're a good team. Well, they have all this talent. They have all this talent. You're not a good team if the only teams you beat in are Bengals, Jaguars, and Jets. Right. I mean, you just—that's not a good team. <laughs> uh, Gilmore, Gilmore has been playing a lot better this year, so I think he'll go on Keenan Allen, and that'll be a battle to watch all all, all week. But here's the other thing: I mean, the Chargers stink against the run. I mean, they're terrible against the run. Four point eight yards a play—they're giving up. It's like third worst in the league, and that mostly has been against teams that have not had very good run offenses. The Patriots are third in run offensive efficiency. I mean, that, that's, it, it's, that, that plays right into the Patriots' hands. Now, we said this about Houston, Houston last right. a couple yes. of weeks ago, yes. too, didn't we? Yes, we did. So, you know, we, we have to take everything with a grain of salt. Is the Patriots' defense going to show up this week? That's what we need to know, because if they get an offensive performance like that, Oh, like it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a real long day. So to me, I will take the Patriots. It's not going to be a blowout, but if it's within a touchdown, Anthony Lone will screw it up. You know, the other thing about the game this week is Cam Newton has some kind of abdominal thing. They're not really saying what it is, and we still don't know for sure if he's playing this week. Yeah, well, he better play. <laughs> he better play because you know what? He said this week, he said this week, you know, I'm just, I, I am, what keeps you going? What keeps you like passionate? It's like the fact that I haven't played my best game yet. It's week 13, yeah. buddy. What are we waiting it's for? Like any day now. <laughs> like, come on, man. Uh, all right. Last game I got for you. Interesting game. Uh, Buffalo and San Francisco on Monday night. The Bills are a one point favorite. Um, this is, I mean, I would have said Buffalo all along, but that was a good win for San Francisco last week. They might be coming into this with a little momentum against this Buffalo team. Yeah, Buffalo, I think, didn't play as well as they could have against the Chargers, clearly. And now they got to go back to Arizona, the site of, of, uh, of a, not a very fun day for them. Right. At least not a very fun day at the end. Um, look, like I said, like Buffalo is not very good at defending the run. As you know, Nick Mullins is Nick Mullins, man. He's, he's you're going to get hot and cold every drive. And you know what? I think that Shanahan, Shanahan is such a good coach, though, man. I mean, he is the ultimate the schemer. I think he's better than McVay uh, in terms of all those young cats out there in the West. I just think Shanahan is so good, and the and the defense, the defense for San Francisco came back last week all healthy, and they really took it to Goff. So they're gonna. It's a different challenge with Allen because he's a much bigger quarterback than everybody else, mm -hmm. and he can run a lot better. But I think San Francisco just like their scheme and that zone scheme is going to be able to 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 work off of Stephon Diggs and and hopefully kind of take away some of the big plays. 
I think San Francisco wins this game. I really do. I think they go out and to Arizona, and uh, the Arizona 49ers get a win this week. Before I let you go, we, I stayed away from talking about the uh, the NFC East this week. Dan, who the hell's going to win that? When you look at this, you know, the Giants are like in first place, but of course they probably aren't going to have their quarterback and they got to play Seattle this week. Washington has to go to Pittsburgh. I mean, is anybody going to win? I mean, who's going to take Baltimore? I mean, Dallas is going to Baltimore. I mean, everybody could lose this week. The only one team that won't lose is Philly, and that's only because they're not playing. Well, no, oh, Philly no, they is are at playing. Green oh, Bay. they got Green week. Bay. Yeah. So, I mean, all, yeah. they're all going to lose this week. I mean, we can... well, I wouldn't be. I listen, listen. I wouldn't be so sure about that really? because you know, as as crazy as it is, they're all. Think about this too. They are all. They're... Every single one of them are at least seven and a half yeah, to eight point underdogs. All huge underdogs. Huge. So that means to me, like to me, there are two teams in that division that I think can win this week. One of them is Philadelphia. The other is Dallas. Because I think they've they've been in – Philadelphia has had a lot of success in Green Bay. Okay. And as bad as they were, as bad as they were on Monday night, yeah. it wasn't the worst thing I've seen from Philadelphia. Okay. I'll be honest. They've been much worse. The other team that I think has a really good shot, and this is going to really surprise you, I think the Washington no, football team – No, get out really of here. I really do. I really do. And no. I'll tell you why. Because they've had eleven days off, Pittsburgh is at four, and they and listen, you can laugh all you want, but that defense is legit. That defense is legit, and I think for the rest of the year, if you're if you're a better, you have to bet against the Steelers on the money line every single week, because you know at this point in the year they're going to trip up because of the pressure. They're going to trip up at one yeah. spot because yeah. the pressure is too great, and you're not get you're not getting. You're never going to get any better value on a, on a money line bet than this week with Washington. Right. I am not convinced that Pittsburgh is just going to waltz in and win that game. I'm not. All right. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, Dan Zampana, you can hear him on the Sunday card on Saturday uh, at 11 a.m., uh, 3 p.m., 5 p.m. We also replay it again on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Dan, as always, we love having you on, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great week, Gene. It only gets weirder from here. <laughs> Dan Sapano here on Sports Country Radio. That's going to do it for us here this morning, folks. I hope you have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave this morning with some music from Toby Keith, a little silver bell, some holiday music. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.